Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Just uh, still in a very celebratory mood today, as today is the end of our fundraising efforts for the year. We wrapped it up today, and boy, didn't you suit up and show up and opened up your generous heart and made a gigantic difference. So thank you uh, from the bottom of our hearts and from the top of our hearts and from the middle of our hearts. Pretty much you got it. You got it all. We're just very grateful. So we're amazed at your generosity, and we're just going to be happy to gush for a while, if you don't mind. You don't mind? I'm just going to gush. Okay, there you go. All right, we got a great show. Rob Louie is going to be joining me in just about 40 seconds. And then uh, Dr. Paul Kangor is going to be with me on the program in the second half of the hour. And then hour two is going to be a full hour with Dr. Mark Muska. So that's uh, Ask the Professor. I know you've got questions about the Bible that you've never been able to get answered. And maybe you've come across something recently in the last, uh, you know, couple of weeks or days or months that you've really want to get an answer on. So Mark will do his very best to answer that question. You don't have to wait for him to come on the program. You can start texting me your questions now. I'll get them in a pile for Mark when he comes in. And of course, you know that number. It's 877-933-2484. But Tuesdays are always a happy day for me because I get a chance to talk to Rob Bluey, who is the executive editor of The Daily Signal. And I always encourage you to go to dailysignal.com to find out everything that's going on. They write and report with such high integrity and honesty that it's a place where you can go learn stories in a truthful way. And uh, Rob is a, a regular guest Tuesdays, and he's on our studio line right now. Rob, good afternoon and welcome. Good afternoon, Bill. It's great to be back with you today. Y- yeah. Now, um, a little bit of a mixed response from the Supreme Court. There's a little bit of good news and a little bit of difficult news, isn't there? Wow, certainly it's uh, it's quite a whirlwind keeping track of these justices and how they're lining up. You 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 have what it seems to be your four liberal justices who side you know pretty much together on these cases, uh, and then you have four conservative judges. Uh, justices. And then you have John Roberts, who seems to flip back and forth. So uh, let's start with today. So uh, today's decision uh, was a big victory for those who who believe in school choice and and giving parents and, and children and uh, an opportunity to pursue the best educational opportunities uh, that are out there. And the case involved uh, uh, came out of Montana, where the Montana Supreme Court had issued a ruling uh, that um, that went against school choice. And the Supreme Court reversed that decision today and basically said that uh, the, the free exercise clause of the First Amendment, uh, dealing with uh, freedom of, of religion, um, you know, could not be used against these uh, state uh, tax uh, credit scholarships uh, that private religious schools uh, wanted to use in Montana. So it was uh, a big win for families. And uh, the fact that the court said that states cannot apply uh, these restrictions um, for religious schools, I think, opens up a whole number of avenues now for parents to pursue opportunities for other states to come in and do something similar to what uh, what Montana was doing. And uh, it also had uh, you know another another impact, which is the, these Blaine Amendments. 
ordinance, which many states uh, implemented uh, more than 100 years ago, uh, which were, were in many cases anti-Catholic amendments uh, to, you know, really restrict, I think, the, the free exercise of religion in, in many states. So uh, grateful that the Supreme Court ruled this way. It's one of the better decisions we've seen in recent days from the court bill and, uh, and still some more decisions to come in the, in the days ahead. Mm-hmm. Now, in a little bit more disappointing news, we had the decision uh, that Chief Justice John Roberts uh, sort of was the deciding vote for the court's uh, more liberal side, and it was on the um, the abortion. Uh, it was at a win yes. for the abortion rights, right? And and I I've interviewed uh, the Louisiana Attorney General uh, Jeff Landry about this case, uh, and uh, and the Solicitor General. They actually came and visited the Daily Signal and did a podcast interview with us uh, shortly after it was argued. Wow, it seems like such a long time ago when we were actually back in our studios doing interviews. Mm-hmm. But uh, but they, look, they presented a, what I thought was a strong argument for why this case. Uh, should uh, emerge victorious at the Supreme Court, unlike a a Texas case about uh, four or five years ago. Um, And and the thing that has left a lot of people scratching their heads on this one is that John Roberts actually – uh, went the right way on the Texas case. He 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 voted with uh, with the other justices who uh, would have been the pro life position mm-hmm. on that. Um, and so I don't want to say you you never want to count a justice's vote, you know, before the decision's been offered. But I think people were feeling fairly confident that John Roberts. Uh, would stick with his previous decision. Instead, what he said was, because the court ruled the other way uh, four or five years ago, that um, it needs to to operate under this process of uh, this this belief of stare decisis, meaning that uh, the court uh, you know needs to honor its previous decision. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that is the head scratcher is if Roberts thought it was the wrong decision just five years ago, then, then why does he? Why, why, you know, that just seems like a, an excuse. Some people have chalked it up to um, you know Roberts is taking the long view here. Uh, he he doesn't want uh, the court's liberals. If in in the you know future perhaps uh, you know doing things mischievous. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what the reasoning is, Bill, but all I can tell you is it was another disappointment. And for somebody who was appointed by President Bush and who conservatives fought for uh, to, to get on the court, I think that in, in many respects, um, you know, definitely not the outcome that they that they wanted to see mm-hmm. yesterday. And there were some pretty stinging uh, dissents by um, Justices Thomas, Alito and Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. But I think particularly Clarence Thomas was really worked up, wasn't he? Uh, yes, Clarence Thomas. It seems uh, has has been worked up uh, on a number of these uh, these decisions recently. Um, you know, we we didn't talk about the facts of the case, but you know, I, I really think it's important to to point out a few things to to your listeners. First of all, what Louisiana was trying to do here is make sure that uh, that women have the same health standards that they they would expect um, at at a, at a hospital or or most facilities, and these abortionists. Uh, are not um, are you know are not operating in the same way, and so the the parties that brought the you know the, the case uh, you know were, were individuals who um, who you mentioned Justice Thomas that he didn't even think they had standing, meaning they didn't he didn't even think that they had the right to bring the case, um, but uh, you know it's one of those things where what seems to be a common sense decision by by a state uh, to impose some medical requirements 
on on abortionists uh you know and then goes into these arcane legal arguments you know this is i think why people are sometimes frustrated it's also why i think we need to to put the focus back on the legislature i think we talked about this last week in the context of a couple of the decisions that came down in the civil rights uh act of 1964 and and uh, and daca and in in both of those cases it was congress's failure to act and clarify where it stands that led to to this uh this point that we're at and so Whenever, uh, whenever our lawmakers, those who are, are elected officials and not appointed uh, judges, can make uh, make decisions, I think the American people are probably better off. We can hold them accountable, frankly, if we don't like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Do we uh, know what other decisions are going to be um, coming out from the Supreme Court before they recess? So yes, there there are uh, there well there are several decisions still uh, left uh, left before us. Um, you know there is uh, there's there's one uh, Trinity Lutheran. Um, so there's a couple of other religious liberty decisions that that I, I think we're we're going to see. The question is, uh, you know, will we will we see them? I don't think the Supreme Court's actually going to to be doing any uh, any decisions tomorrow. So you know, it's a it's a matter of maybe Thursday or early next week. Um, remember, the court usually wraps up by the end of June, but I think because of COVID nineteen and some of the delays. So, um, so yeah. So the two cases that I would I would tell your your listeners to keep an eye out for are um, a, a case involving um, you know a, a, the Little Sisters of the Poor, which is a, a, just a tremendous organization uh, that does uh, so many charitable things. Uh, they um, they've said that they should not have to offer birth control and abortifacients in their health care plans. And so the Supreme Court is reviewing this case. Uh, it might sound familiar because it feels like this case just never ends, uh, you know. And so it's back at the court, and the court will be uh, making a ruling on that. Obviously, religious freedom at stake there because they're saying because of their you know deeply held religious beliefs, they shouldn't have to offer these. And then the other case that I think uh, you know we we all are are keeping an eye on um, is uh, you know this case in, involving religious schools and whether or not uh, the employees uh, performing religious functions are fulfilling uh, those under the law. And so it's, uh, it's one of those First Amendment cases about freedom of religion and whether or not schools are, are able to determine uh, whether they're able to teach those religious beliefs and, uh, and how the government may or may not interfere in, in with regard to that. So, uh, you know, they save these religious liberty cases right for the end, as they sometimes typically do. And I think, uh, you know, based on today's ruling uh, in, in the case in Montana, uh, you know, I'm hopeful, Bill. But again, as I said earlier, uh, it's still too soon to to count where the votes are. But uh, but we, I, I think, um, you know, all should be uh you know, optimistic that that the court will make the right decision here, and of course, uh, side in, uh, on 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 you know the side of freedom, frankly, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, freedom of religion. Yeah, uh, Rob, so appreciate your update on all that. I'd like I'd like to shift focus uh, to what's going on in Seattle. I know this is a incredibly weird experiment where they've occupied six blocks and they've made it a police free activist zone. And it's really quite a mess. I don't know the status of CHOP right now. Do you know the status? And maybe you would tell us more what you know. Yeah, we've got some. We've been updating, doing a lot of updates on the Daily Signal. Um, encourage your listeners to go there for for a number of uh, stories that that we're featuring. Um, unfortunately, things are not good in uh, the the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in Seattle. It is, um, you know, just uh, just kind of a frightening situation. Uh, we've had. 
um, a 16 year old who who's been killed, mm-hmm. uh, a 14 year old who's being treated. Um, that this was uh, the result of a drive by shooting that that took place. Um, a, a, a member of the Seattle uh, City Council uh, blamed this on on. <laughs> capitalism and said he says this highlights capitalism's brutality and endemic violence i mean i i don't i just don't get it um uh, why why the city council and the mayor aren't being more aggressive to put an end to this uh is just uh is just baffling we we really need to to restore law and order and i think that you've seen president trump in the last week uh, get the message loud and clear that if uh, if some of the the local officials aren't going to do this. There's things maybe he can do from the White House. He put out an executive order out uh, to try to do that on Friday night. And so, um, so yes, it is, uh, it is certainly troubling what's happening in Seattle. And I don't think there's, there's very many Americans who want to see that happen in their communities. Yeah, and I think some of the businesses inside CHOP are going to be suing the city because they didn't give them the, sort of the protection and their you know, taxpaying businesses that are saying we've been overrun. That's right. Uh, that that is certainly another another aspect. Um, you know, everybody who's in that you know autonomous zone, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. certainly is in a is in a situation where uh, they are um, they, they're facing you know a difficult circumstances. And how do you overcome that? Uh, you know, I don't know if a, a lawsuit will, will end up yielding uh, the results they they want, but. I think it just demonstrates the frustration that people have right now with uh, the lawlessness that's taking place in this country. And you extend that to people's tearing down statues and monuments and, uh, and just having a complete disregard uh, for, for authority and, uh, and our brave police officers. And it's troubling. Mm-hmm. Um, at a time when we should be rallying to their support, uh, you know, they're, they're slashing their budgets, uh, taking away uh, their ability to protect um, law-abiding citizens. Mm-hmm. Rob Louie's my guest. We'll take a little break. We'll be back with lots more in just a minute. There's the walk-up music for Rob Louie, executive editor of The Daily Signal. I always say... Go to DailySignal.com. Check it out. You're going to like what you see over there. Rob, there's um, military spending, very important issue coming up, of course. And despite what COVID-19 has done to our country, we still have to prioritize it, don't we? We, we certainly do. Uh, the, the threats aren't going away. I mean, we see that almost every day in, uh, in, the, in the news. Uh, the, the international community uh, obviously is focused on, on COVID-19, and, uh, and maybe that's distracted some people from uh, what's going on in places like North Korea and Iran. But uh, you better believe that those regimes are still uh, pursuing their uh, – you know, attacks against the United States or, or other uh, global leaders. And so we, uh, we need to have a military that's prepared. You know, I, I'm a strong believer that, you know, in the peace through strength uh, mm-hmm. a prospect that, you know, Ronald Reagan and others, uh, you know, made so crystal clear that, you know, even if you don't have to use your military might, uh, it can serve as a strong deterrent uh, for others who, who may attack. And I think that it's really important that we uh, not neglect uh, the U.S. military at a time when we are, uh, you know, facing uh, some real challenges, both uh, from a public health standpoint and, and an economic standpoint on COVID-19. 
uh, we need to have lawmakers who who put that uh, first and foremost. And this is uh, an important week. It's the week that uh, that Congress is debating the National Defense Authorization Act. So it's front and center in the minds of a lot of members of Congress and uh, and certainly two di- contrasting visions between the two political parties and the two houses of Congress right now, Bill. But um, but at the end of the day, this is always a piece of legislation that gets done every year. It's one of the few things that we can we can typically count on Congress uh, to find some agreement on, even if there's a, a, a difficult path to get there. Mm-hmm. Rob, uh, I would love for you to talk about the cancel culture that's going on right now. It's it's so troubling. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, in, in so many different ways. I, I think that, uh, you know, those individuals who have spoken out and, and said things, uh, whether now or even said things in the past, I mean, the thing, the, the thing that's just baffling to me is, you know, somebody as a, uh, you know, a high school student who is now an adult or, or you know, an athlete and, and, you know, people go back and find something from, from years ago and then all of a sudden that person needs to be canceled is uh is troubling so cancel culture we should just define it is is basically an attempt uh you know it's an updated term for political correctness i guess if you're not politically correct uh then there will be people mobs online mobs that come after you and it's typically the left that's doing this i i at least in my experience uh they want to just shut you down they they want to erase you cancel you and not give you a platform to speak. Um, we saw this uh, firsthand uh, last year when Google uh, asked our president, uh, Kay James, to, to serve on a board uh, that dealt with artificial intelligence and, and helped with other scholars uh, research this topic and, and provide recommendations to Google. And uh, because she was outspoken uh, against the Equality Act, uh, the left went nuts, and they, uh, they they essentially won out. They they were able to cancel Google's uh, AI board and uh, effectively um, you know silence Mrs. James uh, from her ability to 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 contribute. And so it happens every day. I mean, you saw it happen with Drew Brees. Agree with him or right. disagree with him about the national anthem. His uh, his stepping up and saying something about it. Uh, sparked uh, a significant backlash to the point where I think I saw a poll where he was the most popular NFL player, and now he's like in the forty percent range. I mean, he's not—he's—he's—he's he's, he's about you know what what a politician in Washington would be. <laughs> so you know, right. it is uh, it is troubling to see how how everyone gravitates. It also has to do with this pack mentality you see in the media, which I just. I just can't stand. This is why the Daily Signal was created, Bill. We we decided to create a news organization that would cover stories and not follow the pack. And uh, and obviously there are some stories that are so big that everybody is reporting on it, like COVID nineteen. But in many cases, you see journalists just follow what each other, uh, what what the other person is doing, and it leads to a, a situation where uh, you have uh, circumstances like this. Mm-hmm. Talk about the election a little bit. Uh, mail in. Uh, how big of a deal is that going to be? Well, there's uh, there's definitely a move afoot uh, to to have more mail-in ballots, and I think that one of the things that we need to remember is that there are uh, consequences, and, uh, and and there have been fraud reported in the past when we when we use this. Uh, most recently, there was a, a municipal election in New Jersey where uh, you know there there were people who were uh, charged uh, for with voter fraud. Um, including the vice president of the city council, who who was uh, was a candidate, uh, you know. So it was it was certainly troubling. Uh, an estimated nineteen percent of the ballots that were cast uh, were disqualified. 
19%. I mean, that is significant. And then obviously that could have a, a tremendous impact. We all remember the, the close barges in Florida from, from the year 2000, and it's likely shaping up to be a lot of close races again this year. So I think the American people need to know that their, their vote is secure. And, uh, and, and that's why I think you have everybody from President Trump to the Heritage Foundation who are warning about the consequences. Mm-hmm. The Coronavirus Commission, is that uh, an ongoing or has it been completed? We're still working. Oh, I mean, good. you better believe it, Bill. Oh, I would uh, assume with, so. with, cases, uh, with cases still rising, uh, the, there's, I think the commission's recommendations still are, are pertinent and relevant to uh, everything that's going on today. Um, one of the things that, uh, that I think is really um, important for, for your listeners to note, and we've talked about this plenty of times in the past, are the individual steps that, uh, that we can all take to hopefully keep our community safe. And I know that there's a lot of debate about whether to wear a mask or not wear a mask, but I was pleased to see uh, Vice President Pence come out strongly in support of wearing a mask. Uh, as I think I've told you before, when I go to the grocery store or when I'm out and about, I put the mask on. Um, you know, if I'm inadvertently uh, carrying uh, the virus or an asymptomatic, you know, the last thing I want to do is endanger somebody. And it's not necessarily because young people or or those who are middle aged, you know, are are, are the mo- are the most vulnerable. It's to protect those who have a higher risk of, uh, of of this disease. And as we saw with the nursing home population, uh, it had a devastating impact in so many different states, including uh, including Virginia and New York. And uh, in Maryland. So, I mean, you go down the list, um, we're not seeing as many casualties, fatalities right now, I think, because young people are getting it and recovering from it. But it's still a horrible virus and we should do everything we can to prevent it. Mm -hmm. A little bit of good news. It looks like uh, Major League Baseball is going to move toward a 60 game season for the year. That'll be kind of nice. It is nice. I'm disappointed that some of the players are bowing out yeah, and not, not participating. Um, so it might it won't be quite like it it usually is. But uh, certainly, you know, obviously respect uh, you know their their desire to uh, to stay safe. But yes, uh, sports uh, the return of sports I think are are one of those things that will help uh, return ourselves to normalcy as as much as possible. I think even more importantly than sports, uh, schools. Uh, schools need to be using this time in the summer when, when a lot of people are home uh, to figuring out how they can have uh, learning and mm-hmm. preferably in-person learning. I, we uh, strongly believe that you know, there are ways to, to put in place precaution, safety precautions. And, uh, and if, if those, there are older teachers and staff who, who you know, feel that they're uh, more susceptible or in that high-risk category, you know, let's make some special accommodations for them. Um, but uh, you know, students, if, if students aren't able to go back to school in the fall, I just don't see how our economy can, can really bounce back at that point, uh, which is another reason why I'm praying for, for a vaccine um, yeah, to be indeed. developed as quickly as possible. Yeah. Rob, thank you so much for uh, doing the show. I always look forward to our chats on Tuesday, and I know my listeners just love you, so thank you. Well, thank you, Bill. It's always great to be on with you. Yeah, have a great Fourth of July weekend with your fam, and I hope we get to see your folks uh, real soon if you haven't already. Thank you. Will do. All right. Rob Lewis has been my guest, executive editor of The Daily Signal. After a little short break, we're going to come back with Dr. Paul Kangor. You will love him, and you know Paul. He's a regular guest as well. We'll be right back.
enjoyed talking to Dr. Paul Kengor. He's an author and professor of political science at Grove City College. He's also the executive director of the City for Center for Vision and Values, which is a Grove City College think tank policy center. My first question is always, uh, hi, Paul, have you been canceled yet? Hi. Well, Bill, no, not exactly. It's probably a good question to ask. <laughs> I guess everybody pretty much has, right? Yeah. Um, and I but, back uh, five bucks. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I don't do, – are you familiar with what happened to me fairly recently? I am, but to oh, tell our listeners okay. what happened, yeah. Well, so so I had – I mean, I really probably shouldn't talk about it publicly, but, but I had a case of – of some Grove City College alumni, and it wasn't really more than two or three, Bill, maybe maybe two, and really, really two, like an editor and the person who wrote the section on me. And they accused me of some nasty stuff in a, in a petition that, um, that, that they put out against Grove City College. I mean, they, I mean, they went after the college. Oh boy. They, went at, they went after, they went after the, the faculty, the English department, the history department. I mean, you name it. But, but I, I was called out by name, and they gave four utterly absurd examples. And, and the, the only thing really good about it is that what they alleged was so outrageous and and so angered everybody that uh, that that the the blowback the the firestorm of protests was so intense that they that they retracted and they re- they they removed me from the petition and they oh, even wow. apologized yeah and I even had a, a couple people at the college who said uh, wow <laughs> they don't usually do that <laughs> they don't usually they don't usually back off but uh, one of Somebody here. Well, I'll just say my my college president told me he said you won't ever have this many nice things said about you in your defense by so many people until probably your funeral, <laughs> which which is which is which is probably true. But yeah. but so it's it's a delicate thing. Like I could say on air what they accuse me of, and and I, I got invited onto a major TV network TV show. In fact, it's one of the top three ranked cable news TV shows. Mm-hmm. You probably narrow down what those three would be. Of course. Yeah, asking me to come on and talk about it and I and I said no because I I I don't want this I don't want these words that they tagged me with even out there. Yeah, good right? For you. Yeah, yeah, and, and and so there ended up being three articles that were written in my defense. Uh, I had nothing to do with them. They were completely spontaneous. And I, when I found out about, out about one of them, I even asked the author, I said, maybe you should just you know, take this back. She said, no, you need these out there to, to be defended. You need to be defended on these things. And so those things kind of answered the questions that they raised, and then the people backed off. And so I'm just uh, – now I'm hoping it will all cool off, and I think it has. You, you know, Bill, it's kind of – it, uh, my my sons asked me the other day. They said, "Are you still getting a lot of emails?" My my one older son, and I said, "No, I'm now now down to about two a day. It's kind of like a flattening of the curve on the coronavirus, right? So you kind of reach this peak of about a hundred <laughs> emails a day, mm-hmm. and then it kind of flattened to about a hundred, then dropped off to like ninety, eighty, seventy. Now we're now down in a single case. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. So, in fact, I think the coronavirus curve is kind of a good analogy to uh, to, to this. This yeah. is really like a, like a plague in my yeah. life for a couple weeks. I mean, do you even know what they wanted besides attention? Well, they 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 are. It was a group of activist liberal Grove City College alumni okay. who were allied with Black Lives Matter. <clears throat> although, really. 
I don't even think they were. First of all, they're they're white. None of them were black. I don't think there's a single black student who signed the petition. In fact, one of the really heartening things were the really nice emails I got from uh, uh, former and current black students and their parents who were just outraged by this. But 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 looking back, and there was a piece on this by Ann Ann Hendershot in the American Spectator, and she nailed it, Bill. She she said, "No, they are after you." on LGBTQ stuff. Okay. That's what they're going after you on. She said, this is so transparent. That's exactly what this is about. Because what, what they accused me of, um, it, it, they, was, I don't even want to say what it was, but, but, but what they accused me of had, um, the, the examples that they gave had nothing to do with the accusations. Wow. And, 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 and another person from Grove City College said, yeah, you have to understand, they're taking this racially charged environment right now, and they're using this as the stalking horse to try to come after you and what they really want to get you on, which is LGBTQ stuff, right? That, that's the idea, and uh, yeah, this is a perfect kind of head-hunting moment that, uh, for them to come after people. Mm-hmm. And, and my wife hated it, and she was very upset about it. Um, you know, the, I have um, I, I have a black son that's adopted, and you know, so this is something you know we don't want this kind of stuff in in, in our lives. And and I, and I think when these when these people found out this stuff and heard me heard what I said, they they felt genuinely remorseful. Oh, nice. And they, and they apologized. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, not after. Having attacked me, who was a Gilda Radner Saturday Night Live? She used to play uh, <laughs> Emily Latella. Yeah, never right? mind. Yeah, never mind. Never mind. Right? Yes. Never mind. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah, thanks a lot. Have a good day. Right, Have a right. Good day. Right. right. So I want to put a button a button on this before we move on because I've got a whole bunch of questions that I want to ask you about uh, just you as a historian and what's happening in the cancel culture and all these incredible, you know. Uh, teardowns of statues and everything else. Uh, but let me just ask, is there any advice you have for those who maybe they're a little afraid that they'll get this kind of pressure if they speak out? Well, so first of all, I mean, as, as a Christian, be a Christian. Seek mm-hmm. truth. You know, be kind, charitable, decent to people. You know, do, Try not to do things that you'll have to apologize for. And so in my case, what they accused me of, I, I knew there was nothing that I needed to fear. Um, but but also too, you uh, sometimes you do need to respond forcefully to to go out there and 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 defend your name, and you know they'll they'll find sometimes I've seen this when you become apologetic and defensive. Oh, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Oh, I'm sorry. You know then then they then they keep coming after you. But what, but when you respond in a strong, firm way and say, "Listen, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about, and this is why," right? And and you know, then then they then they often kind of back off, mm-hmm. right? And, and and unfortunately, in this this post Christendom environment that we're in, people are not charitable. They're they're not kind and decent to to one another. And I even said in my one email that I said to the people who attacked me, I said, you know, what really bothers me the most is you loaded up this petition with Bible verses and Bible quotes, and you slung these accusations at me publicly, and you'd never even contact me one time in the spirit of, you know, Matthew 18, right, Christian brother, Christian sister, Mm -hmm. you know, to ask me for a response. I could have 
given I could have answered all of this stuff in less than an hour and you would have been like, Oh gee, wow, <laughs> sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay. But 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 not at all. And by the way, I found out too that the that the person who led the petition, the editing on the petition, she said she said in her tweets and so forth, this is why I'm not naming names, I'm trying to be careful what I say in public about this stuff, Bill, but she, she said that, that, that I think she said that she no longer considers herself a Christian. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so you know, I'm appealing to their, to, to, their, to their Christian impulses and charity in a petition that's loaded up with Bible verses— Right when it when in fact it looks like maybe they're just using that or at least some of them, right to try to appeal to people and it's not really a, even a sincere biblical appeal. It might have been for some of the people involved in the petition. And uh, I'll say one more thing: they they had put together a petition against the college and they had 150 signatures, and then they added me. Hmm. So they they end they end up misrepresenting the people who signed their original petition. And a number of them contacted me and said, listen, when I saw what they put in here against you, I told them two days ago, get my name off of this thing. And it's still on there, right? So, so this just shows how kind of a recklessness and carelessness and sloppiness in the public square can, uh, can lead to some damage to people's reputations. Although hopefully not in mine, because I, I do think this is kind of going away. I'm hoping anyway. Mm-hmm. Now, Paul, I want to talk about you as a historian, and I'd love for you to comment on what's going on with uh, all these statues being torn down and everything being looted and um, what we're seeing every day on the news. Well, I've never liked it to begin with, and I I did a lot of shows and probably even yours at one time, Bill, where the Confederate soldiers, right, Confederate generals and so forth, those statues being torn down. Um, look, I'm from Pennsylvania. I'm a, I'm a Union guy. I'm a, I'm a Lincoln guy, nice. right? I have I carry no brief for the Confederacy. I don't have a pickup truck with the stars and bars, you know, hanging from my gun rack, mm-hmm. right? I, I I I have I I could care less about Stonewall Jackson, all right? But but you know, once you establish in principle that that you know certain groups can come into a town and tear down a statue. Watch out, and we said this before, right? Because you know, they're going to come for you, for your statue next. Mm-hmm. And 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 we had a, we we had a situation in San Francisco. I guess it was last week or the week before, where they tore down a statue statue of Ulysses S. Grant, the, the Union general who defeated the Confederacy, right. who won the Civil War, mm-hmm. who fought the KKK. Uh, who you know, who fought for the right of of slaves to be freed and and black Americans to vote, and so to tear down Ulysses S. Grant and and even after I mean people Ron Chernow the great historian who did the book on Alexander Hamilton just did a thousand page tome on Grant. There's no excuse right now for this kind of ignorance of Grant, but 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 in any case, pretty much almost anybody born before probably 1970. You know, you could find some sort of offensive statement anywhere in their background. Um, you're not going to have the statues of anybody left anywhere if, if, if that becomes the standard. And by the way, if it is the standard, I don't know why they haven't torn down any Margaret Sanger statues. Yeah, I don't point. know, right? I don't know why they're not going after Karl Marx. Uh, so it shows the kind of selective outrage that, that, that these people engage in. Yeah, selective outrage. That's well said, Paul. I mean, there's 
where does this stop? I mean, seriously, it, it, if you want to be consistent across the board, everything's coming down. Everything. I, I mean, everything other than, uh, you know, a statue of Jesus, 100% divine, 100% man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know the only the only perfect uh, person entity that uh, you know, deity that that ever bestrode the earth and and even in that case as you saw last week and the week before I think it was Sean King right of yes. Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. talking about you know coming after statues of Jesus especially those that portray him as being white or 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 or, or too white and and that's just ludicrous. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what what your ethnic background is, Bill. I'm I, my on my dad's side. Um, my dad's Irish, Polish. By the way, my my grandmother Flynn, her family all fought in the Civil War against the Confederacy, and some of them died fighting against the Confederacy. My mom's side, they're Italian, and you know we don't walk around you know, looking at uh, look at this picture of Jesus. He looks he looks Irish here. <laughs> well, he wasn't Irish. He was mm-hmm. Jewish. Right. How dare they do this? I, I right on my desk right here. This is Alessandro Manzoni's book, The Betrothed. It's the great Italian novel. And uh, this is Lucia on the front cover. And she has red hair. And uh, there's no way, Bill, that this mm-hmm. girl's Italian, right? <laughs> there's right. no way this girl's Italian, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, my, my grandmother, Philomena Grace Gentili, right? She'd be screaming, this isn't right! She's not Italian! This is racist! Right? right? Yeah. It's, it's, just, it, it's, it's just absurd. Yeah. And, you know, to quote Rodney King, you know, can we all just learn how to get along, please? Yeah, no please? Kidding. Right. Know, but, yeah, but to spray paint Lincoln and go after Lincoln? Isn't that a little uh, nuts? Nuts! Completely nuts. I, I, I was talking about that last week with a friend of mine from Pittsburgh, Chris Moore. Uh, he's an old-time uh, media TV guy, um, black civil rights activist, great guy, really solid Christian. And, and, and we were talking about Lincoln. And I, and I said, Chris, Lincoln, Lincoln of all things. <laughs> and, he, and he said, oh, I, I know. And he disagreed, too. And, and I said, why? And he said, well, if you're asking. He said, he said uh, Lincoln supposedly said something about possibly repatriating um, African-American slaves back to Africa, right? And this had to do, I think, with Reconstruction and, and, the, and the civil or uncivil environment and so forth. And I said, well, I don't know enough about that history, but even if that's the case, right, again, it just goes to show nobody is perfect. Nobody's perfect. Uh, so you know, if the if the standard is okay, this guy freed the slaves and <laughs> let the Union and the Civil War ever did more for Black Americans than anybody in the history of America, black or white. Uh, but you found something in the past that you don't like, tear it down. Uh, that that's that's just absurd. Again, there will be no statues left. Yeah, and how do we stop this insanity? And I've even heard that they want to they want to blow up Mount Rushmore. It's like. Oh. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Right? I wouldn't be surprised. It it, it it's um, it's a mob, and you 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 saw that you saw the French Revolution, mm-hmm. the, the, what what the mob did during the French Revolution, and and I hate to go here, but when you look at what the Soviets did uh, to to religion and churches and Russian icons during during the time of the Bolshevik Revolution, you know that was mil, uh, militant atheism in that case. And they haven't gone after churches yet, although, 
And I wrote a piece on this last week. It's, it was a real clear politics. It was a National Catholic Register. They're, they're tearing down statues of St. Hanipero Sarah in California. And he was, he was the, the 18th century Spanish Franciscan friar who built all those missions <laughs> up, up and down the California coast. And, I mean, the, the reason – hey, Californians, right? You ready? The reason why you have cities like San Francisco, <laughs> that means St. Francis, right. right? Right. Santa Clara, St. Clair. Yeah. Santa Barbara, St. Barbara. Uh, Ventura. That that's after Saint Bonaventure, yeah. um, Santa Bonaventura in that case, and and, and Junipero Serra founded uh, he he brought Christianity to California, which of course is precisely what a lot of these people don't like. Yeah, you know, Paul, I hate to say this, but because you're on such a great roll right now, but I, I do have to take a break. I'll be right back with Dr. Paul Kengor. Dr. Paul Kengar has written a whole bunch of books. Paul, what's the count right now? What's your book count? Well, probably, I think about 20. Sweet. About 20 altogether. Yeah, I have a book coming out in August called The Devil and Karl Marx. Bill. Ooh, interesting. The Devil and Karl Marx. Yeah, yeah. So it's the first, I think, really comprehensive look. It's about 500 pages. So it's of, of the man and what he said about religion and the consequences of his ideas. So all of this kind of stuff I'm talking about here, you know, them coming for churches, coming for icons, um, coming for statues of the saints. They're, they're kind of selective outrage. They're ripping down statues to foundational leaders and individuals that they don't like, and at the same time, not taking down statues of the likes of uh, Lenin and Stalin and Marx. In fact, I don't know if you saw in Germany last week, they just put up a statue of Lenin. Uh, it's um, yeah that this really there's not a lot new here. This is this is something that we've seen before, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Paul, talk about the direction you see our country going, and please well, be uh, and please be hopeful. Yeah, it's. <laughs> do you say hopeful? Yes, yes. Because I, well, I can't I'm trying to be upbeat I, here. Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's pretty hard, Bill, to be hopeful as Christians. Right, we're supposed to have faith, hope, and charity. Uh, I, I I I am not hopeful at all. I, I'm I'm really not, and in fact, you know, Ronald Reagan in June 1952, long before he became president or even famous politically, he gave a commencement address to a group of young women at Little William Woods College in Fulton, Missouri, and he said there, "America is less of a place than an idea, right? America is less of a place than an idea." And uh, Gordon Wood, who's a famous historian of the, of the American founding. He said that to be an American is not to be someone, but to believe in something. And so you really have to ask, what do they believe in today? Mm-hmm. And, and it looks like you know, as you go from people in Minneapolis understandably protesting the death of George Floyd to three weeks later ripping down a statue of Columbus wow. <laughs> in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and you say, wait, is it, what does George Floyd's death have to do with Columbus, right? Yeah. And, and then, then they're tearing down George Washington, Lincoln, Francis Scott Key. 
Ulysses S. Grant, I mean, Francis Scott Key, the Star Spangled Banner. Um, and St. Louis, they're going after St. Louis. Speaking of saints, people even there talking about changing that. You've got to wonder, you know, what a um, Louis the Ninth from the 1200s <laughs> in France could have done that's so angering uh, these, these modern revolutionaries and, uh, and you know, wherever today. But, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where this goes. I don't know where it ends. I, I know it started in the universities where they've, they've kind of fomented and fanned this, this hatred of the roots of America. And are we going to get to a point where just, you know, anything from the past is, is bad? But, but, but then again, they don't really believe that, as, I, as I've said before. They're, they're big fans of dead 19th century German white guys. Right, <laughs> they are. Karl Marx, yes. Yeah. Marx is Engels. <laughs> Marx is great. Mm-hmm. Friedrich Engels is wonderful. German historicism. Um, Hegel is great. The entire Frankfurt School, all those weird uh, Freudian Marxists, right? Um, Sigmund Freud, great. Wilhelm Reich, wonderful. Herbert Marcuse, great. Right, love all those guys. So you know, certain certain German white guys are verboten, and others are celebrated. It's um, I I don't I, I can't be hopeful at all, unfortunately. Yeah, and when you look at the press and you see what's going on, and you know people want to be informed, they don't want to be manipulated. How is the press doing, in your opinion? Oh, terribly. And they I I, I mean to some extent the press needs to cover what's going on out there, but I I think some of the more liberal outlets like CNN and others who are afraid to criticize some of this activity and and worse they seem to want to support it and to the extent that maybe they can weaponize it against donald trump or for or for whatever whatever other political purposes whatever might serve their current political and ideological purposes so they're not very helpful and i i would have to say that that the biggest problem of of all here bill is social media Mm -hmm. which is just an absolute disaster in fact my friend jeff myers who runs Summit Ministries. I love Jeff. I've had him on many times. Yeah, isn't he great? Oh, he's great. And, yeah, and he did, they did a survey, I wish I had this information off the top of my head, where they asked young people where are they getting their sources right now for their current beliefs? What are their sources for their current beliefs? And I think 58% said social media. Wow. wow. And then the next, yeah, then the next closest was Friends, which was like 14%. And but but church and Bible were like you know one percent four percent, so they were they were getting most of it from social media. And and today, in the 1960s, if you wanted to organize a protest for Vietnam Week in April 1967, I mean that started with I say this as a historian of this stuff that started with the the new mobilization committee to end the war in Vietnam in Cleveland in early 1966. It needed a year and a half to put that protest together. Mm-hmm. I mean, now a, a, a bunch of angry millennials in Starbucks can whip out their phone and, 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 and have 100 people gather together with nooses, spray cans, pulling down a statue in, in the local town square by, you know, uh, 9 p.m. tonight. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, so yeah. It, it, that so that's that's made it even more worse and even more of a mob, and a, a mob will act like a mob. Yeah, no kidding. So, Paul, we just have about a minute and a half left. So, how can we as Christians, you know, be prepared to respond to the chaos? 
Well, it's not easy, and I, th I think you have to try to respond to it truthfully in a kind way, but also a firm way. I, I, I always hate the phrase as, as uh, uh, gentle as dove, as wise as serpents, because I don't like us being compared to serpents. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, but, I mean, you do, you do have to be very, very smart. And, you know, a friend of mine said in the case where people attack me, um, uh, overpower them with uh, fact, truth, but also kindness, mm -hmm. kindness and decency. And, and remember, too, that you know, be merciful as, as God our Father is merciful. And what's really sad, Bill, in this current environment is that a lot of these people doing this today, they don't even think they're doing the wrong thing. They think they're doing the right thing. You know, they're calling evil good and good evil. Mm -hmm. and, and that is such a chaotic mess that uh, we need to be firm, we need to try to correct them, but we also need to be merciful and understanding that they've come into a world that's just in complete chaos. Yeah. Paul, I always learn something from you when you come on the show and you, you don't use big words I don't understand, so I appreciate that. <laughs> well, thanks, Bill. All right. Dr. Paul Kangar has been my guest. Uh, head over to Amazon.com and look at his books. He's got quite a catalog of great books. I promise once you pick one of those books up that he's written, you will not put it down. We'll take a little break. When we come back, Hour 2 is going to be Dr. Mark Muska. He looks to be out in the green room right now, so he will be uh, answering your questions. Get them ready. Send, my, send a text to 877-93-FAITH. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.